0: Uh, it boils down to opportunity and succession. In terms of opportunity, I mean that if if there is a good guy who is able to take the lead, then that opportunity might not be there tomorrow. Timing is everything. Um, and then you know that clicked in place. And then by succession, perhaps I wouldn't be wouldn't have held the position anyway until the end of times. So really, when uh, when a good candidate comes along, it's very nice to be able to get I'll give others the chance to lead as well. We have a Latvian company who we're hoping to onboard still this year that can bring significant volumes. And there's an interesting UK company that is at the last stages of due diligence. I think first quarter latest, we'll have new LOs um, joining and hopefully ones that can actually provide the volumes for us and also for the investors. And obviously you hear always, you know, the moment something is delayed, you hear some investors say, go blow them up. But they've been in constant communication with us Uh, we know the issue we've been working on it to say there is no doubt at least in our head, that then anything funny would be going on on the background. I believe this week, next week, we'll see the 500K people will get their money uh, with interest and then that case is closed. and we'll look at it later down the line as a separate new onboarding if the new Mexico comes and then see what can be done. We will start paying down the principal to the investors in tranches, And we as income will match. So whatever we come up now as a payment plan with them. So what we're saying that in case they fail, that based payment plan, then income will bridge a certain amount up to a certain amount, the principal payments towards the investors.
1: What's up, guys? This is Danny from Rethink Peer to Peer Lending. Before we jump right into the conversation with income founder Kimo, a few words from my side regarding the scope of this brand new podcast called Income Insights. The idea behind this podcast is fairly simple. Income wants to add yet another layer of communication in order to help the investor community to get a better understanding about the current challenges that the platform is facing. Being an investor on Income myself since almost the very beginning, I'm aware of many difficulties behind the scenes. So hopefully my questions can help to close the knowledge gap between platform and investors while keeping an eye on current events as well as future plans. Income Insights will be a recurring podcast on a monthly basis. So if you enjoy what you're hearing, make sure to subscribe on all relevant streaming platforms or alternatively join the YouTube channel of Income if you want to add some visuals as well. So without further ado, let's jump right into the first episode of Income Insights. Income Insights episode number 1. Kimmo, good to see you. Please uh let the audience know how you are today.
0: Well, Danny, nice to, nice to be here. Uh, I'm good, um, like always, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you, happy to be part of the podcast now.
1: Yeah, likewise. It's uh, obviously a new uh, beginning, a new venture. Um, maybe to start off, you know, I was wondering, um, podcast, is that something that you're fond of? Do you enjoy listening to podcasts? And is it for you also personally the first time, you know, being active in a you know uh podcast position now on a on a regular basis
0: uh yeah it's the it is the first time i mean i've done some uh, you know guest appearances but this is the first one where kind of we are the initiator of the of the podcast idea um yeah i mean i I listen to a lot of podcasts um usually while driving or in the gym it's a good format uh you want to name a few uh, Joe Rogan has a really, really some interesting ones with, with like latest was with Elon Musk just over the Halloween. Um, what else? Some other small ones related to, to to real estate, some fintech podcasts. Anderson Horowitz had some um, on on the VC world and and future technology. So I guess those are the main ones that I have in my in my Spotify.
1: Hmm. All right probably good to know for for someone Joe Rogan obviously quite popular, but then we we can see income uh, former income CEO Kimmo as we have to say now, uh, which will we uh, will be elaborating in a second uh, is also quite fond of some uh, fintech or uh, podcast from the financial uh, environment. Um, yeah, maybe let's let's talk about the the agenda for today just very roughly. Um, I was thinking about that we can obviously address the recent um, change at the CEO position. Um, I also want to cover some general LO developments and then also go a bit more uh, into detail about two specific ones uh, about Vivus and ClickHash. Uh, let's say the two biggest smallest problem childs uh, currently in the in the income portfolio. But maybe we just start off with with the most recent change, um, or with the most recent news, which is obviously that um, Lavrenti Sudakov is the new CEO uh, at Income. You've been like in this position as the majority shareholder of Income since the beginning of the platform. Uh, why were you now stepping down from this position?
0: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think right. I, I've grown it now since the start. I think around two and a half years. I've held the CEO and founder position Um, in that time. We've we've reached around 4,500, a little bit more active investors, also around 13 million of of investments outstanding. And so all in all, very interesting time uh, to build a business from scratch. A lot of hours going into it, sometimes more than than you have to spare. Um, So I also have a two and a half year old daughter now. So I, I like to spend some time with the family as well. So um, those personal reasons, in terms of time constraints of of really building a startup, uh, running the CEO, running all the other functions as well, um, was something that I started talking with our main equity investors over the summer, and said that you know I I, I see there's a few strategic things that are upcoming, and um, one of them is a potential regulatory license during 2024 so next year um, funding rounds and then obviously new LO onboarding part as well so these are the ones that really make the biggest difference um, in terms of what I look at it and, and and general business development obviously and I just started seeing that there's a whole lot of bureaucracy on my table as well which I, I mean I, I'm a professional CEO I've done it for most of my life but I don't really enjoy it that much Mm, and then came the thought that okay you know Lavrenti has been with us for a very long time already he's been helping us he's a very good guy very process driven uh, detail oriented um, and the team likes him as well so the idea just came that okay what if he would take the CEO position and we bounced the idea you know together and and really then you know, I asked Lavrenti would he be willing to take the hat, and he said, "Yeah, absolutely. He shares the same vision as I do in terms of where income can go." And I said, "Yeah, I'm happy happy to take that." So I think it boils down to, you know, even personal reasons aside or time constraints, uh, it boils down to 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 opportunity and succession. So, in terms of opportunity, I mean that if if there is a good guy. Who is able to take the lead? Then that opportunity might not be there tomorrow. So timing is everything. Um, and then you know that clicked in place. And then by succession, mm, you know, perhaps I wouldn't be wouldn't have held the position anyway until the end of times. So really, when uh, when a good candidate comes along it's very nice to be able to get i give others the chance to lead as well mm. and kind of like you know take take a higher role in a business uh so there's not yeah to give them a chance also to show what they're made of mm. so those are the main things why why we decided then that okay let's 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 do this and uh, give me the time to to focus on those things which are the more important ones in my own Personal understanding, new LOs, regulatory license funding round, and I think I can give more in those roles when I'm focusing only on on, on certain aspects of the business. Hmm.
1: Well, honestly, my 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 first my initial thought when I heard about the news was, okay, obviously I understand the um, the separation between the strategic um, thinking and, and 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 work on the other side, the more day to day operational duties that you have. But at the same time, I feel like, okay, the CEO position is, in a sense, also just like something for the outside looking at it. So it's more of a symbolic yeah. thing in a way. It doesn't need to be like, you know, like a strict distinguishing between this is operational, this is strategic. Um, I, I, cannot, I can relate to the point like you want to have like a qualified guy within your core team to step up to this occasion and then maybe also like uh time a bit longer to the to the to the company but at the same time you know is it like couldn't you have just maintained that position also and just like you know sharing let's say or delegate more uh, of the workload behind the scenes and then just like continue to be the face um the ongoing uh face that that income is or that many investors are also used to at, at income with yourself being at the Forefront
0: well, probably yes. Uh, I guess it's a matter of structure. I, I think, you know, me being doing the podcasts, being still, let's call it the face as a sort of an active founder, um, and obviously Lavrenti can do his own own PR as much as he wants. There's no no strict <laughs> division in that sense. Um, yes, probably it could have been could have been done. Um, on the other hand, I, I I'd, I'd like to think that if you empower someone to do something and and run then they should have that empowerment fully and not as a as a sort of a how would i say a, a ghost manager or whatever you may call it hmm. so i thought that this is a better way of going forward and then our equity investors also agreed with my my, my logic um so yeah i mean i guess you could have done it this way or that way we just ended up doing it this way. And, you know, we've seen other platforms as well. Well, Mintos has a founder, share a shareholder, um, CEO still for a long time. But then you have other platforms where, for example, Esketit, I think, a more or less hired CEO from the start. Blender mm, market, obviously, going through changes, but also a hired CEO as such. Um, And through the option plan, I think Lavrenti is very well aligned to to do what's best for the company. Mm. So I guess it's a matter of preference, to be honest, which way to do it.
1: Fair enough. I guess when there's like some continuity, uh, unlike with other platforms, where there seem to be like ongoing changes on a, not monthly, but let's say on a recurring basis, uh, leaving the frequency aside, but this is also kind of leaving investors in a weird position. So as long, I think, like, if you have a good uh, feeling about Lavrenti that he could be a long-term solution, then in my, uh, you know, personal view, it's no no reason why he couldn't step up to to the occasion, so to say, um, as long as there's some continuity involved. Um, thinking about the, the CEO change, I was um, kind of thinking, like, maybe this is also a good opportunity, opportunity for you to kind of present also a bit Uh, the team that is operating uh, income in the background? Because I think like on the team page, we see a couple of shareholders. Uh, We see your face, obviously, but maybe you can give a little insight as far as um, how many people are working in the background on a day-to-day basis uh, for income and how the company is is structured to make it uh, run then also um, on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah, so... um... I think we're today around nine people. Mm, and then, of course, the outsourced services. So um, just to outline the names or a few, few people, Lavrenti, obviously now CEO, everyday management process, trying to improve things as much as he can. Um, Matsha then on the head of LO due diligence. So he's a um, basically responsible for figuring out the LO loan books, what's the advance rate. You know what kind of companies we can onboard. We have a compliance officer in Hendrik, so he's responsible for the AML and KYC. Uh, these are basically the big things in today's world, especially when dealing with banks or or any payment providers. So you need to have a dedicated person, preferably a bit more, uh, for that, depending on 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 requirements. We have Jason, who is the LO onboarding manager. So he's responsible for the new LO sales. Uh, Steffi, marketing and sales, right? So a lot of people probably have seen her uh, in some of the uh, conferences we've gone to. Um, Anastasia, our main customer care lead. So she's the one in charge of Telegram. Um, Then we have Roger in finance and Yuri in CTO. And then, of course, myself focused on on business development, the the things that I outlined before. Um, And we really, you know, we we had an in-house legal before, but uh, we thought that actually makes more sense to buy that as a service in. So we're cooperating with some of the leading companies or law firms in the Baltics to buy in the legal know-how when needed. So this is the agreement agreement. law when 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 we onboard new LOs for example um likewise i mean developers we're using some our external developers so i don't put them into headcount and these are on a need to know need to hire basis um what we're doing um and then yeah accountants other things these are also outsourced services so i'd say nine people total in-house and then plenty uh external ones mm okay
1: thanks for those insights i guess uh, we could now switch uh, to the more uh, heavier topics so to say uh, let's talk about uh, some Lo uh, developments now before we talk specifically about click cash and also vivos um, i was curious to hear your opinion about the overall Lo development on income obviously uh, in the past we have seen uh, a lot of cash drag, uh, decreasing loan supply and uh, now I recently had a look on the statistics page uh, right now, Dana Rupia, Huvi and ITF, they make up uh, around 90% of the outstanding portfolio now on the platform. Um, we see that the, the assets under management are now balancing in the past five, six months between 10, 30 million euros. I'm curious, like, are there any new LOs coming or do you see maybe more growth coming from the existing already onboarded LOs? Uh, please just a very short answer, like where do you see the growth coming
0: from uh in, in the future? Um current ones, yes. I mean, it's obvious we see that the main ones are there. And I think the if you look at the current ones, the ones you listed, those are the ones where the growth will come. I'm talking about purely about the current ones, the the smaller ones seem to be stable or they seem to have even decreased um and to the to the extent that it potentially is is long-term not even relevant uh, in that sense um in terms of the new ones it's a very tough market to attract new ones at the moment everybody it's it's a it's a funny situation the fintechs are all out of cash meaning that they need funding but at the same time they're running around like crazy from one deal to another so what we've seen is is uh, the sales cycles have gone very long uh that said, we have a Latvian company who we're hoping to onboard still this year that can bring significant volumes. Uh, there's an interesting UK company that is at the last stages of due diligence. And then we still have Mexico, which is a little bit of a uh, difficult structure, but but soon to be cracked. So that has a lot of potential. So. I think first quarter latest we'll have new LOs, um joining, and hopefully ones that can actually provide the volumes for us and also for the investors.
1: Which volumes? Would we speak realistically? Just exclusively coming from the new ones?
0: Well, I mean, <clears throat> let's say, and I'll go to it in the click cash uh, when we go through those guys. Um, what we've noticed also that the loan, the smaller loan books, are a little bit uh, problematic. Uh, in terms of also the security function. So I would say that we are aiming at LOs that can bring in at least a half a million in the first go. And then probably 2 million should be the the, the short-term goal in terms of listing, the initial listing. So they should be able to grow to 2 million about in a very, very short timeframe. And then that would be interesting to us I guess for us the sweet spot, if we can attract the lows that can take five to ten million uh, of funding, then those would be the, the the very good customers. And and I think if you look at Mintos, ten is about where they start actually. So they're looking at the next tier that more established. Well, not more established. One of the ones that are able to list significantly more.
1: Sure, which obviously makes sense considering their their size uh, to not okay. just you know like break their heads over small small lenders um okay yeah then let's dig a bit deeper into two specific lenders now first of vivos in mexico um obviously a situation where many people were a bit like confused what was the reason for the ongoing delay i think right now it's about six seven weeks since um there was a substantial amount um of buybacks not coming in In the meantime, there was around, I think, nine hundred thousand euros being transferred to income. But as of this moment, as we speak, I think it's still around half a million left. Uh, Can you explain the reasons for the delay here?
0: Yeah, correct. Um, Vivos basically uh, started. I think they listed their last, and that's Vivos Mexico through the the business loan structure. They they started listed stories. They stopped listing around new loans around May, I think, this year. Um, and then essentially they were winding down the the uh, their book. Um, the idea was there that as and I think as we communicated to people as well that we would be looking at in the future can we do direct listings with them uh, directly to Mexico so that the underlying loans would be directly assigned instead of through through the current structure. Um, but they had some IT pipeline issues and other things. So we thought okay let's uh, let's scale it down and then look at it separately what the cooperation may be in the future now during that wind down and as you mentioned you're right around half a million is outstanding i think around 1.5 million outstanding was where they started hitting some issues and those issues were mainly related to bank transfers um and mainly documentation related so um, that's what we've been working on to to have their bank understand the crowdfunding structure uh, through legal opinions through other things saying like this is actually a valid solid structure right so um this has involved some legal opinions and other things which we've delivered um, and unfortunately bureaucracy always takes a lot of time um so that's where the delays have come from mainly um, but uh, from 1.5 the reason why we haven't escalated was that we're out of 1.5 and obviously you hear always you know the moment something is delayed you hear some investors say go blow them up but <laughs> they they they've been in constant communication with us uh, we know the issue we've been working on it um and they basically they've delivered now a million out of what was outstanding um as they have promised in those trenches that they've been able to 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 get down 500,000 is outstanding. Uh, I believe last week, final documentation, or at least what we think today is final documentation, was sent to them so they can disclose it to their bank and otherwise. And I believe now they are ready to transfer the final 500. Once that balance is at zero, um, we'll take a look what and if can be done direct with them in in Mexico. But that probably requires another due diligence on their loan book, and it's it's going to be a longer longer process to to assess all of the normal onboarding things what what we do hmm.
1: can you make me understand um obviously like I can understand that maybe certain banks have difficulties understanding certain transactions but I think once let's say a substantial amount goes through like in the range of 1 million euro there's half a million um sorry um like there's like a 500 uh fa- yeah half a million euro left um why is it not going through all in once or why would the bank not understand like okay this is a similar transaction it's actually half the size um, to put it through so why is there additional documentation then required which makes it from the outside maybe looking a bit like strange
0: yes so um it's a good question something that we also you know have asked ourselves here in the office a few times uh but generally every time there's a transaction done the bank may and generally will ask uh additional documentation and you know if you have or or a, let's say payment services provider so every single time there is a transfer it may trigger an aml kyc check which then in turn needs to be gone through with there not always the same people in the banks larger banks work on these things so you might end up in a place where they say, OK, the previous documentation was fine, but actually we would like to understand, the, let's say, the legal um, aspect of this and this better. Or we would like to understand what are the balances that you're transferring. So really, it is a I guess it when, what I mentioned before when I spoke about Hendrik and the team, the AML KYC, it's such a hot topic. Uh, and the banks are to a certain extent have gone crazy with uh, with these kind of things, especially when it relates to jurisdictions outside of uh, Europe. Um, so, you know, as, as an example, Vietnam and some other countries were just put on the high risk lists. Also, Croatia went to the high risk lists. These are jurisdictions that we'd rather avoid in terms of loan originators, just because we know that this may issue, uh, cause problems with the banks. Mm. um and this is just it's just the modern world I guess you know and the Ukrainian war didn't do the thing any easier uh, overall in the world mm.
1: was it like an initial transfer that was like targeting those 1.5 million euro and then just 1 million went through or because it may come across as well like okay the initial idea was just to send around 900 000 to start off and then transfer the the remaining balance uh, later on
0: no I think the the way it went that everything was uh, they were paying down the balance quite normally um and then at some point the bank said hey we need to have an understanding of this um and then it took quite a bit of time for the bank to go and the bank said I I believe said that um you know continue just continued payments while we look into this then they flagged okay this is a problem we need to understand this more meanwhile some money had come then you know they managed to send a little bit more after the bank had looked and the bank looked at it again okay we need this and this so really it's a, it's 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 a, it's a juggle on on their aml and kyc mm, but the good thing is obviously that everything is all in order the documentation is in order and there's no now would i say there is no um, doubt at least in our head that then anything funny would be going on on the background mm. so i i believe this week next week we'll see the 500k people will get their money uh with interest and then that case is closed and we we'll look at we later down the line as a separate new onboarding if the new mexico comes and then see what can be done mm.
1: okay and just to wrap it up one more time it's basically a learning for income to look closer to AML policies in in certain jurisdictions to understand like okay as you said like this is now the the red list or the black blacklist uh, to have certain LOs not from specific countries because you fear like this could you know cause also future problems so is there now also like Mexico kind of like a um kind of a, a hidden or like a, a forbidden no. spot in a sense or
0: yeah no I I think in in terms it's it's very clear that if you have these high Risk jurisdictions in terms of money laundering, where Vietnam and Croatia went to the lists, then it's clear that if if we would onboard from those jurisdictions, it will most likely cause problems. Most likely, um, obviously, you know, if there is if these companies have all the AML documentation that we go anyway through during the LO, you know, what's when we onboard them, where what is the source of funds, who are your owners, all of that. If everything is perfect. Then probably we can still onboard from those, Uh, but we need to be extra careful. So, Mm. in terms of Mexico, in terms of, you know, LATAM, whatever jurisdictions, I don't expect problems per se just because of the jurisdiction. What we need to understand is what is the fallback plan if a bank, you know, and this is the LOS bank, for example, starts asking additional questions. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's that's shortly put the thing that it's it's a learning in that sense that these things can happen in today's world. But uh, if the company has its numbers and and papers in check, it's only a delay, not uh, as such, not critical. Mm.
1: Maybe one more little follow up on this. So uh, just to make investors understand, is that something that is purely driven by, let's say, the legal environment in a certain country? Or is it sometimes even the bank itself that has certain standards in place, which maybe also could trigger issues uh, like this?
0: It's it's purely the banks, right? So if you look at EU banks today, um, and and you know I can I can see it and hear it from a lot of friends as well. Totally, let's call it legit people uh, might have businesses abroad you know, the amount of AML KYC questionnaires coming from the banks these days in the EU is, it it has gone through the roof. So it's really something you can't predict. When does the bank want to take a look and they, they really need to do it. And the push comes from the regulator in its jurisdiction. So for Estonian banks, it's the Estonian FSA that tells them that, guys, you need to look at this and this and this uh, on a very specific level so very difficult to predict when such issues might arise but then i have to um, you know focus on the fact that if the you know we do all the yellow checks in the start aml kyc beneficial owners everything at the start before we onboard board um, we disclose this documentation also to our bank before we start the cooperation uh, and to the partners money transfer partners so that there wouldn't be such surprises. Um, but you never know, bank policies might change. They might look at things differently today than they did before. Um, they might need extra information. But as I said, as long as the company, the law has all its numbers and papers in check, then it's only a delay, not really a, um, how would I say, um, a problem as such.
1: Hmm. A matter of time then, basically.
0: A matter of time, correct.
1: Um... All right then let's switch to click cash. Um, as far as I understand, there is some you know as far as click cash is concerned, I feel like there's always a solution in the air and I think we we yeah. talked we've been talking about this throughout the entire year. Now from what I understood now with the very recent news which you haven't uh, communicated publicly as we speak right now uh, what can you share about progress uh, with the Brazilian lender?
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's really been a lot of solutions on the table, a lot of uh, th- thoughts on the table. They've managed to pay down their debt a little bit, um, you know, and we've communicated as it has come. Um, really, I think we've reached a point now that where we thought as in income, and this is the potential solution, is that uh, you know, Click is trying to get itself sorted we have no guarantees that it will happen and, and you know we understand that investors are agitated at the least of all of these delays so uh, i think the proposed solution that we will communicate later down the line is that we will start paying down the principal uh, to the investors in tranches. so and we as income will match so whatever we come up now as a payment plan with them so what we're saying that in case they fail that business that that uh, that payment plan then income will bridge a certain amount up to a certain amount the principal payments towards the investors mm. the reason why we thought of this solution is that it's taken really very long and and i think investors need to have some sort of a clear schedule in head or in mind you know that how is this thing going to unwind itself hmm. um and that's basically the main main logic what we're thinking and then we'll deal with with uh, with click cash ourselves uh you know when we'll continue working hmm. but at least we can we can let's call it guarantee some cash flow uh towards the investors um and that's that's basically today what we're talking it's still pending a few answers from it um, and I believe we can get this plan communicated hopefully this week or latest the next once we get some some uh, final final documentation and some final i t answers
1: hmm. Okay, so put it in simple terms. um, there will be a fixed amount coming uh, now from click cash every month, according to yep. the repayment schedule. And if ClickCash fails, income, I think, as far as I know, would be then also the first marketplace ever to also, uh, in case this uh, agreement would fail from ClickCash side, jump in, uh, bridge the payment and pay from its own bank account, basically the the outstanding amount, which has been agreed on a monthly basis.
0: Yeah, we, 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 we'll, we'll top whatever comes from ClickCash. So we'll come up with some sort of a payment plan with them, as you said, whatever they are missing from the payment plan, what they can up to the point what we're thinking i don't have the final number today but let's say according to that we will then say that we'll we'll top it up to that amount so we know that the investors will only get so the investors will get what has been communicated um that said uh, the logic here is that i i think we need it's been dragging so long that we need to have a solution that's the main driver for it and, and this is something i've spoken with with our investors as well yeah, we need to have a have a have a plan there. Now, as a closing thought, maybe on Click Cash, and I think we're running out of time maybe a bit, but um the idea there is that, or what we've learned from it is really that the small loan books are difficult. Um and this is also a little bit of a driver to what we're saying that half a million to two million to whatever needs to be the minimum on the platform for it to make sense. Is that when we are looking at click cash, hundred and fifty thousand roughly outstanding. Now, if we would today go to lawyers, if we would go to you know a backup provider and really escalate, as probably it's now one third of that book. And then you know from my personal perspective, I'd <laughs> I'd rather say that you know let's use this cash to make the investors. Uh, hole in the principal part at least if possible instead and then deal with click cash see where it goes without escalation um, this is our learning small loan books are uh, more dangerous than big ones because the fixed cost of collection even if we today we know and we we still think that the security function works as it should the problem comes when the fixed costs of executing on it uh, relative to the small loan book become too high, that's where you're looking at a problem. So it's a learning curve, uh, something we didn't expect back when, but uh, okay. such is business. And we hope we have a good solution on the table at the moment. So. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Okay. Thanks for sharing those insights. And I guess uh, once we reach the next episode, we can then go a bit deeper into how it went down and talk also the numbers um, that are on the table. Um, and then we can a bit go a bit more in depth uh, at the next episode. Maybe just to wrap up very uh, briefly and quickly this um, first episode, maybe just a smaller topic. Um, I was wondering, like following up the the, the Telegram chat, there's always like there seem to be a lot of notifications once new loans become available. ITF 15%, uh, Danaupia 15% now available and uh, I've been too late, whatever. Um, I was wondering, do you have like a fixed uploading schedule for your assets for specific LOs, um, something that you can maybe implement so uh, investors are always aware like when new assets coming to the platform, if they come at least a specific point in time?
0: yeah i guess the problem there is uh sort of yes we can put those uh probably and what we've told also to the LOs is that you could divide your listings more evenly but the end result is that has, as long as there is such high investor demand versus too little assets then the auto invests do grab most of it or you have these kind of people who can you know who who go there manually and and good for them and and grab those before the auto invests kick in so um yes we can try to have some more listing of schedules Uh, and this is something like I said what we've discussed but in the end it will not solve the problem of too much investor demand versus too little assets so the main point here, what we're trying to work is with DLOs is actually, how can we get them to increase the total amount of assets they list? Um, and that's that's what we have at works today with ITF. We're talking with Dana Rupia on some certain things. Also, Hobi has, has expressed its will to, to, to list additional products. But as all of these in our case require a separate due diligence uh, on the loan book to understand the product properly, then this causes a little bit it's not just as simple as saying to them guys tomorrow go and list which it might be on some other platforms not knowing their processes but we we, we need to look at the book and understand it before we allow new products
1: hmm. all right thanks for those uh for this short answer yeah we're coming towards an end chemo um income insights episode number one um thanks to all the listeners that joined the very first podcast episode Um, If you want, obviously, subscribe. Um, The Income Podcast will be available on uh, all relevant streaming platforms. Alternatively, there will be uh, a version also on YouTube. So um, if you want, either way, uh, take where you can get the information. And I say, yeah, thanks, Kimo, for uh, answering a couple of questions. And then we follow up uh, for sure then the next month and uh, pick up again on on a few topics regarding income. Thanks for taking the time.
0: Thank you, Denny. It was
1: a pleasure. Talk soon.